Welcome to the Mindset Meets Money podcast, where money makes sense. We provide tactical advice to help high-income earners make logical decisions with their money. Back at the table with Dr. Jason Heller. What's up, dude? Hello, hello. What's up, man? Today, we are talking about overconfidence and underconfidence and how that affects your investment decisions. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad to be overconfident or underconfident now. Why don't you talk a little bit about what this bias is and... And uh, we'll start to deconstruct it. Yep. So a lot of these, uh, a lot of the biases that we'll talk about are kind of double-edged swords in that uh, when you possess them, they can be to your benefit. They can also be to your detriment. Overconfidence is one of those. So uh, when you're overconfident, it's it, typically it's a, uh, you have a belief in your ability that is beyond what the actual uh, end result has shown, right? So I'm making decisions and I believe my decisions are better than the actual outcomes are. So So where does where does something like this come from, right? So all of a sudden you believe you have an insight that Twitter is going to do better because Musk took it over, and so when you hear that, you decide to buy that. Well, how do people actually become overconfident, thinking they can actually outthink the market or all the insiders that are there? So overconfidence it's it's not just the market and investment type thing. This is in in all of our lives. You know, there's there's a study out there. 90% 90% of people who are polled said that they believe they're above average drivers. Well, I mean, that's statistically impossible, right? How can 90% of people be above average? Average is 50. Only 50% of people can be above average. 50% of people are below average, right? That's, that's how statistics work. So inherently, none of us want to believe that we don't make the right decision. Right? There, there has to be um, some, some aspect of us being able to successfully navigate life mm-hmm. by that overconfidence, right? Like if we were always hesitant about um, making decisions and didn't feel confident with our decisions, we'd, we'd, we'd be stressed most of the life. Never made so the there's, yeah, so there's right. a part of it there that overconfidence is a good thing. Right. What you're saying is, is you just need to be aware that that is an actual bias that Correct. we are inherently overconfident with most stuff that we right. do. Correct. And when it comes to investing, we have to be aware of that so we don't make some poor decisions with our money. Right. So, so being the good part of being overconfident is it'll drive you to action. Right. You're, you're able to make the decision. You're able to, to, to put money in play. You know, you're decisive. When, you, when, you, when you're overconfident, you tend to be very decisive. The negative of this is you tend to have uh, beliefs that are not backed by fact. Right. So, you know, Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. Right. Yep. So uh, uh, what you just said earlier, I believe Twitter is going to do better because Elon Musk has taken over. Okay, is there any factual basis behind that other than you know Musk did fairly well with Tesla? He's, he's jumping in another venture. Perhaps he'll do fairly well here. There's zero factual uh, uh, evidence behind that that belief. But if you're if you are supremely overconfident in that, you could end up not only taking action but taking kind of adverse action by putting a larger share of your portfolio into Twitter without any backing, right? So, so the idea here is it's good to be overconfident because it drives you to action, but you want to make sure that you harness that overconfidence and you don't, you don't ride it too heavily. So, so now, you know, I, I'm, I feel good about an investment decision I'm going to make. I call my advisor to make the trade or I'm going to make the trade. Before I do that, how do I put that overconfidence in check and decide on if it's something that I'm making a decision that's logical, rational, based on fact, or I'm doing it because I'm just a little overconfident with my own decisions. That's a great question. So uh, for me, what I always do, because uh, we're driven by emotion, right? Not, a lot of people want to say that we 
we're rational thinkers and we're not, we don't let emotions rule our decision making process. That's complete garbage. Uh, emotions rule most of our decision making process. Those of us who can peel that emotion back and put logic behind it tend to be the ones that make better decisions. So going back to the example, found out Musk is taking over Twitter, excited about it, think, that, think it's going to be a good long term bet for Twitter. The before you go make that trade or before you call your advisor and have that trade placed in, I always ask myself, why do I believe this? Why do I think this is going to work? And if it's just a gut feeling, I have to step on the, 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 the brake a little bit and slow myself down and say, okay, well, let me back this up with some intrinsic evidence other than it's just my gut feeling. I think I, if I, if I answer a question with, I think, or I feel blah, 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 then I have to put my, my foot on the gap, on the, on the pedal. It's a, it's a great way to do it. So if I, if I'm using the words, I think, I feel, and there's an emotional, emotional piece to when you're making the decision that should cause pause where you have to go look at the actual, um, numbers and financials right. behind that. Right. And you're digging in more to the facts of that. By the way, as a side note, you and I do not think people should buy Twitter or sell Twitter. There's no recommendations around it. It's not just a matter of an just example, example of saying, it was just an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. of course. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Obviously, when you have a certain emotion around it, that's where you should pause and think at that point and then start to dig into the facts. What are some other things that you might realize or think about when you're too overly confident? What, what might be another trigger or factor that you think about that? Uh, so, again, it's it's the, the kind of, I don't want to call it an undying belief, but when, when you are absolutely sure that A plus B equals C, and, but there's no metrics behind that, right? So it's almost where you know some people believe that a contrarian review, uh, a contrarian view, is a better view. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a contrarian review and you realize that you're arguing a point that seems emotional based, and it might be contrarian, mm-hmm. that might be the time is you really have facts associated with it. Yep. Yeah. So so interestingly, men exhibit more overconfidence than women. Yeah. Uh, and there was a study done by uh, Barbara Nodine. I want to say back in the nineties where they tracked the trading, uh, they went to a discount brokers firm and they tracked the trading accounts of men and women and men were in terms of overconfidence. They traded much more frequently. They held positions much more short term than women. Um, and this was attributed to, and they did a whole, uh, uh, poll. How do you feel about your investing? Are you a professional? Are you an amateur? This and this and men, were way more overconfident in their abilities than women. Uh, of course, the results did not show that, right? So <laughs> men underperformed women dramatically um, without uh, factoring in for trade costs. You factoring for trade costs, they just did a business compared to women who pretty much bought and held. It makes sense, right? So, you know, men in general are more comfortable with risk. You know, the whole idea that we're yep. hunters and we go out there, we got to be more comfortable with risk side where women might be more comfortable with safety, security on that side. So, you know, the punchline of that is, is we should really engage our wives' opinions on investments. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think if anything, it, 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 that study showed that women uh, handle their overconfidence better than men do in that, again, if, I, if the answer comes with, I think, or I feel, blah, 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 you have to give it pause and wonder why. Women have a better capability to do that. So yeah. Women tend to be less emotional when it comes to some of these decisions. What about underconfidence on the flip side of this? So underconfidence is, um, again, it's a bias that has, a, it's a double-edged sword, right? There's pros and cons to it. 
the, 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 the pro is if you're underconfident in your ability to do something, you tend to seek out professional help to, to get it done, right? Um, I, I could build the deck in my backyard. I'm physically capable of doing it. I have absolutely no idea how to do it. So I'm going to go hire a carpenter to come take care of that for me. Uh, in the financial services world, I, I, I can read an analyst report. I can understand the analyst report. I can read a P&L statement. Um, but I may not have the time. I may not be confident enough in my ability to then take that information and put it into action. So I want to hire a financial advisor to do this, this work for me. Um, the negative of this is without that professional help, people tend to be frozen in terms of action because they're just not confident enough to take the steps to it. And this is where a client might sit way too heavy in cash because they're uncomfortable with making a decision. They're not confident in investing anywhere at that yep. side. And so then they have an inflation risk mm-hmm. because they're sitting in cash and not getting an interest rate that's keeping up with inflation. So no. maybe in the last couple years, maybe never. Right. Not the last year and a half. <laughs> think, think about, um, so uh, uh, employer-sponsored retirement plans, 401 case, yep. right? They have default options, right? So you're defaulted into either a cash option or a, a, a target date fund, um, you know, whatever the situation is, uh, if you don't make the decisions, right? Now, if I'm 44 and someone else is 22, should should the cash option be the right thing for both of us as a default? No, but it's 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 a blanket statement for everybody in, uh, in the firm. <clears throat> People without confidence to pick their the investments, and, and that's difficult to do. That's a whole other thing. The more investments options there are inside of a 401k, the less confident people are in their ability to pick the right one for themselves. Right. Right. So we all just default into into uh, whatever the, the option was. It doesn't mean it's the right one for us. And so it, it becomes negative uh, when you don't so have. So how do you? The same question on the underconfident side on the overconfident side. How do you realize that you're being underconfident and it's in, it's actually hurting you financially by being underconfident in your decision making? Whenever you feel the, the uh, inertia to move forward, right? And it's not something that you're looking at. When you have a I don't know. I can't, I, I, I can't make the decision. That's when, and you end up not making the decision. So that's a whole other thing called a, a status quo bias. We'll get into that at another time. But when you get stuck and you can't or won't make the decision, it's a whole thing of analysis paralysis, right? When you feel that stuck in the mud feeling, that's when underconfidence is is ruling the day and keeping you from making decisions that will help move the ball forward. So uh, I'm sitting there. I realize that you know I, I'm just not sure what to do. I'm not. I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision. When you start realizing those fear factors are slowing down the decision making, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody might be your advisor might say, "Hey, you should do this." And you're like, "Oh, let me think about it. Let me think about it." That may be where you're being underconfident. Mm-hmm. Or if you start to realize that you're you're heavy in a cash position. Um, or um, it's probably more of a cash position that you're being underconfident on the inside because you're not making a decision of where to invest. Yep. If you are underconfident and you're sitting in that spot where you're not making a decision because you're you know worried that you're going to make the wrong decision, and maybe you're sitting too much in cash, what do you do? How do you get over that? So again, this is where uh, underconfidence, you have to have some self-realization, right? You have to realize... I'm not capable of making this decision. I'm not capable of, of gathering the information, processing the information, and moving forward. I need help. I, 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 I need to go find a, a professional to work with, or I need to find, uh, uh, you go on the internet, you can find some, you know, just some rules of thumb. We talked about rules of thumb in, in one of the earlier uh, episodes. Uh, but if, if getting stuck 
is not is not is always is usually the wrong answer. Yep. So it's, it's seek out a financial advisor um, and someone that can be able to help give you the confidence to be able to make a decision. And along with that, it comes with education, right? Yep. Educating yourself, whether it's um, from doing online courses to reading books to listening to podcasts like this, is giving yourself enough information that you can feel confident to be able to make a decision. Exactly. And a lot of times that um, whether it's a person or an individual that's helping you do it, or whether it's just education or data doing it. Um, great. So if you kind of recap on it um, and the takeaways for this for uh, anybody listening, if you're overconfident and you're using words like believe or I feel or I think, um, it's not based on fact. That's where you might be overconfident and you might want to pause and dig the facts and try to find some other views that might talk you out of it and really listen to those views. Yep. And if you're underconfident, you're sitting maybe too much in cash, you don't want to make a decision, or you're you're realizing that you're kind of hemming and hawing over something and you're you're being indecisive, that's maybe where you're underconfident, where then you gotta go seek out to be able to educate yourself on the different options and possibly seek out some professional advice. Yeah, inaction is never the right action. Great, great example, great example. Heller, always, Dr. Heller, <laughs> Dr. Doctor. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> always educational and informative. Appreciate the time. Yes, sir. All right. Subscribe on your favorite streaming platform if you haven't already. And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family.